Hello, and good morning, Dem fans. It's a Demi. And as you can uh, probably hear and listen, I do not have an intro uh, for the Demi yet. We'll get there. It's in uh, it's in production. I have a really a really cool idea for this uh, intro. Just need a little bit more things to get together. So hopefully by the time my next Demi comes along, we'll get there. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium. It's such a mouthful of a title I hated. So this is my first review of any type of movie outside of like the state of review, like the after fact. This is like my first review review, and I'm still quite unsure how exactly I want to review this movie. I think I'm just going to talk about it, and I might go in order of plot. I'm trying to make sure I get everything. I have lots of thoughts on this film. I have probably a good 20 plus little bullet points of thoughts, about 306 words Microsoft is telling me. So I have lots of thoughts. I want to make sure I get through all of it. So I think I'm just going to go through the order of plot and try to just go from there. Uh, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Ant-Man. I am, we're doing spoiler talk. I have a hard time not doing spoiler talk. It'd be really short, uh, my thoughts of the film. But yeah, spoiler warning for everybody who hasn't seen Ant-Man. If you haven't seen Ant-Man, I'd suggest to go watch it before listening to this. Otherwise, yeah, continue on. So before I get really into it, I want to just clarify my thoughts on Marvel as a whole. I think Phase 4 has been a really big letdown. And I'm I'm cheering for the MCU to do well. I'm cheering for the MCU to be great as it was in Phase 3. Just like I'm cheering for DC. I know right now, after Phase 4, it's really cool to hate Marvel. And so when you hear this review, I just want you guys to know. I'm not trying to be cool to hate on Marvel. I want Marvel to be... I want Marvel to succeed. I want them to do well. I want... I would. I wish every movie I will review in the future is like 4 plus. As in like, it's a 4 at the minimum. This movie... It's not that, unfortunately. It's not that. We'll get. I'll review my rating at the end of this episode. But yeah, let's let's get into it. This movie's not that great. So I talk a lot about in Phase Four when it comes to quantity versus quality and tentpole versus filler. This movie. The good news about this movie: it is a tentpole film. This movie does carry a lot of weight when it comes to the overall story of the MCU, and it does carry a lot of weight for Phase 5. Kang is the big reason why. The problem with that is, this movie is not a quality film. It's definitely a quantity film. It's one of those, hey, we just need to make a movie, let's make a movie, they'll watch it, it's Marvel. That's the gist I got of it. So, we'll let's get into it. So the movie starts... The movie kind of starts with like a flashback scene of Janet and Kang being stranded together, kind of just setting up the fact that Janet knows Kang. Not much really show, not much to really talk about. They get into it later on. So in present day, after the Battle of Earth, which I'm not sure is if that's what they're calling it, there's the Battle of New York, is the Endgame Battle of Earth. I'm just looking at the wiki, and I don't know if this is like a wiki, oh, wiki thing, wiki. Wiki thing, or if this is an actual like the name of it. If that's the first time, it's the first time I've ever heard of it. If that's the name of it, I'm 
I'm okay with it. I'm, I like that how all these battles in these movies have like their own name and own lore. It's really, really cool that they do that. So that's besides the point. All right, so starting with the movie, Scott Lang is a very successful author now. He he is a successful Avenger. He's popular. He's talking about how his life doesn't make sense. He's an ex-con, but now he's a superhero. He's an Avenger. People recognize him. He has his own book. He's dating Hope Van Dyne, who now owns her own company. And then they show him reading off his book. It's ridiculous. Uh, and then he gets a call from jail. Cassie's in uh, in jail. He goes there. Cassie's in jail. She's an activist. She gets arrested for peacefully protesting. And I actually really, really like that dynamic because it's like, oh, Cassie's like Scott in the way of like, oh, she's getting in trouble like is Scott. I'm like, that's a really cool plot development point. And then they go to dinner. And a lot of information is shared at this dinner. One, Hank is now a grandpa to Cassie. He's like a proud grandpa. Um, Janet doesn't talk about the quantum realm. Hope doesn't really have much to do. And apparently Cassie's... It's not the, they discuss how she... This isn't the first time she goes to jail, but it's the first time Scott's heard about it. Uh, she's an activist. And it seems like everyone's on the in-how of like what Cassie does and everyone's supporting her but Scott. Which I think is a very interesting dynamic, but I'm also very confused by that dynamic. I thought Scott would be the one to really be into hope. But none of that matters. None of that matters because they start they bring up the fact that Cassie in her own basement has developed has created this machine that sends a signal into the quantum realm. How? Why? Does anyone know how she's that smart? No, they don't. Do they re- like refer to her being smart in the future? No. It's one of those things that they just bring up. Hey, she built this thing in her basement. Not Hank. Not Janet. Not Hope. No, nope, Cassie did. Somehow she's that intelligent. They don't even bring up her intelligence at all later on. So anyway, she creates this thing. Janet starts freaking out. And when I say none of that matters, because they... None of that storyline matters because, boop, they plopped into the quantum realm. And that is the beginning of the movie. My first thought when I saw that was, wow, that was really short. And wow, I I was digging this Earth surface level story between the dynamics of Scott and Cassie. The dynamics of Janet not talking. And it was just, it seemed like it was all wasted. Uh in theaters, I was like, I wish they would just stayed longer. If not, stayed the whole film because I'm really interested in the Scott and Cassie dynamic, where Cassie's essentially kind of feels estranged because Scott's being successful. They're kind of out of touch, but he really wants to, you know, be with her, and she's doing. She's basically becoming her like her dad, and they don't touch about it at all. Boom in the quantum realm, whatever. So they go into the quantum realm, and as they're getting sucked in. Um, both the Janet, Hope, and Hank, they kind of go off their separate paths. Scott and Cassie go in their separate path. They kind of get split up. There's a lot of things. So if you haven't watched the film yet, there's a lot of things that's going on as they go in the quantum realm. They set up a lot of things. Uh, Hank's super ants. You see the ants kind of fly off in their own direction. Uh, they kind of show that Scott has a suit. Hope has a suit. They save each other. Yada, yada, yada. They get separated. 
So you kind of begin two different storylines. Janet, Hope, and Hank all become their own story. And Janet kind of becomes the main character here, at least for this little group, this little side story. But to me, the part that I don't like about this is Janet doesn't talk about it at all in the quantum realm. She gets in there and she's like right at home. She knows what to do. There's a ship that is looking for people. She hides from the ship. Both Hope and Hank is like, what's going on? And that's kind of what happens in this whole process is Hank and Hope during that dynamic is just all they do. They kind of just be sidelined to, I'm going to ask question character. What's going on? What's this? Why are we hiding? How do you know these things? Why didn't you talk about this before? Yada, yada, yada. And it's all very shallow. Scott and Cassie, they kind of go into their own little separate thing. Uh, they have to fight off some creatures. They get captured by these people. And Scott is being forced to drink juice, which is kind of like a funny moment. I kind of hate the moment, though, a little bit because in the background you hear Cassie says, drink the goo, drink the goo. And it kind of kills all the tension because it's like, oh, she's saying it. We trust Cassie, which means he's fine because he gets Scott gets forced to drink the goo. And it just it just means that he gets to talk to people, which I thought was actually a really cool concept of like, hey, we can understand these aliens now. The goo aliens like I have no holes. I thought he was really hilarious. Apparently, that was uh, Dave. Delmat- I can't I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, the guy who played Kurt and the other ones, he voices the uh, the goo alien. Really funny. We meet all these characters. We meet this uh, cool, like, quantum warrior rebel leader person. We meet a psychopath. There's kind of, uh, between Scott and Cassie, there's, like, that funny scene where they're, like, I think it's kind of funny. Except I didn't, it didn't quite land because Scott kept saying, stop thinking about that. Stop thinking about that. And I was like, what is Scott thinking about? I'm just thinking of, like, the worst things. But I feel like it opens too much... Anyway, we're wasting time on that. Janet, Hope, and Hank, they go into... Uh, they get captured by Bill Murray's character. Or they don't get captured. They travel to Bill Murray's character. Janet seems like she knows what's going on. They talk about their past, about how they had connections. And it could have been this whole emotional thing where, like, hey, you cheated on me. And Hank's like, hey, I cheated on you too. It's been 30 years. But it was kind of, like, regulated to a joke. Bill Murray shows that, hey, I'm no longer the celebrity leader. Boom, I am now working with Kang. And we kind of get that insights of Kang and how Janet and Kang, Janet helped Kang basically escape or get his gear back, which turned him into this conqueror of this place, and she feels guilty. And they kind of, the whole setup of her not talking about the quantum realm kind of feels a letdown here because they set this whole thing up so basically for Hank to be like, you couldn't have known and boom, all's forgiven all the setup of her not talking about this whole place because she feels guilty about Kang basically helping this monster basically get his suit, become the conqueror of the cell area, but also kept keeping him stranded in the quantum realm. She's the reason why he's stranded. He was stranded because of his Kang people. Also, Jonathan Majors as Kang. Brilliant. Amazing. He's great. He really carries this film. And then they're vice versa. Uh, Scott, Cassie, they learn about how there's a war going on. Cassie as an activist, very shallow. He's like, we got to help him. Scott, uh, understandably, is like, we have no idea what's going on. And there's that, there's that, that brief tension. It's all surface level. It doesn't really matter. And then, boom, Modoc shows up. 
And Modoc is Yellow Jacket, Darren Sharp. Uh, and I'll be honest, Modoc initially when he first showed up, I was kind of I was very off putting from him. He's not the Modoc that I remember. He's not the Modoc from the Modoc TV show. He's a very a different character. But I'll be honest with Modoc. He kind of grows on me a little bit. I can't tell if he's a serious character or if he's a, like a goofy character because he keeps going back and forth. But I also kind of like that's that's just Modoc. That's kind of the charm of Modoc. And the Modoc we're given is very much a different character than the Modoc in the comics. But it's also very much in the spirit of who Modoc is. So over time, he looks super goofy looking. Uh, there was a couple kids in the movie theater when I went to see. They were just mocking him the entire time. And he's mockable, but he, he grows on you. I don't know. He grew on me. I know he's very divisive, but I, I feel like Modoc. he's a character. And I do feel like he's wasted in this film, but if he was able to essentially transcend and go to other films, I would have been super excited. That's not the case here, unfortunately. His sacrifice at the end feels a little surface levelly. I don't really care for it, but I don't know. The character itself, not bad. Then we start getting actual Kang. Cassie Scott get captured, and we get our first Kang versus Ant-Man. And this whole movie is Kang telling Scott how he's out of his league, how tough he is, how he's killed Avengers, how he's this evil, bad person. Words hold this entire film how bad Kang is. And this is where this film gets, ah, it just doesn't not, does not land because we're told how evil of a person Kang is. But it feels like Kang, Kang loses in this film and he shouldn't have lost. He's going against Ant-Man. Ant-Man's known as like the side character person. And we get in this plot, we get into the overall third act and it's Kang versus Ant-Man. We're told how much Kang is this evil person. There is one part in the scene where Kang goes into this battlefield and he massacres like 17 people or 17 quantum realm beings with his little beams. He's just shooting at them. They're getting vaporized. And then our heroes show up. Hope, Scott, and Cassie, who now has a suit. And nothing happens. Right, he's literally he just got done vaporizing seventeen people. They just stand there right in front of them, and in that moment, I'm like, why wouldn't he just shoot and kill them? Their suits shouldn't be able to stop it. But here's the thing: I have no idea what Ant Man's powers are. I have no clue. He gets super big. We're told that Kang is this giant, like he has this whole empire. He has this whole empire-looking citadel-looking city with all these space lasers. Scott gets super big. He's trying to save Cassie. He's charging through as a giant colossal being. And he's getting shot constantly and nothing happens to him. Is he invincible? I don't know. This movie doesn't really talk about the rules of the quantum realm. This movie doesn't really talk about the rules that apply. And I have no idea if they're breaking their own rules because they don't really set up any rules. It kind of thing. It's like, hey, it's a quantum realm. Anything goes. You just have to believe it. And that movie asks a lot of it. So I'm kind of running on a short in time. So I'm going to get through some of my thoughts here. So here's my overall thoughts. This movie is a bad script. The plot overall is pretty good. But the movie is a bad script. That's kind of bad. Actually, hold up. I'm going to back up a little bit. 
Pros, cons. Let's talk about it. The pros of this movie. This movie looks great. This movie visually looks stunningly great. I was really scared about this film because I knew they're going to go into the quantum realm. So I figured there's going to be... There's 95% of this movie CGI. It looks great. The aliens look great. The quantum realm looks great. Um, the visual effects. Like, that that really holds this movie together. This movie looks like a pretty good movie. The effects are pretty good. Other positives? Kang. Great. Jonathan Majors. He kills it. He's great. He does what he needs to to carry this film. Kang, even though the script-wise, they don't give him a whole lot of... They don't give him that big moment, that big victory that really they should have given him, which is a huge con of this film. But Jonathan Majors kills it. He is the right actor for this role. He has such, such, such burning intensity with it. I'm excited for Kang. Modoc, I believe, is acceptable the way I've wrote it down. He's brilliant and dumb, but not in a great way. But he does grow on you. I feel like that's going to make more sense once you see him. Bill Murray, wasted. The movie is temple, but quantity. Cassie has great potential as a character, but the movie wastes her. The whole fact that she could be Scott, there's not really a whole... Okay. Going back just a little bit more. This movie is all plot, no character moments. That's the, that's the big downside. This that's the big con here. A lot of character, no character moments. A lot of plot. This whole film was to set up Kang. It wasn't really the further Ant Man. There, I feel like they just kind of threw Ant Man in there because there was that Quantum Realm reference. And there was there was some big moments here that you could set up. One, Kang should have won and should have got out. That would have been a huge cliffhanger. He kind of he doesn't die. He just disappears. I don't think he's dead. Big question that I asked in the preview. Does it set up Kang? It does. This is It sets up Kang. I believe the Kang we saw is going to be the Kang, the main Kang, our main villain, which I'm excited for. All right, more talking points. Movies all tell, no show. There's dialogue that's way too on the nose. There's one scene in particular where Hank's like, oh, well, I've been studying the quantum realm for decades i never thought there'd be other beings here right they just he just tells people how he feels which isn't necessarily not bad but he doesn't react his acting doesn't quite convey it right great writing great acting shows you how characters feel and this movie just tells you how characters feels it tells you things it wants you to know instead of showing you things and that's why this movie Really, really fails. All right. Let's get into the end credits. Kang filled the end credits. It's great. Uh, shows the cult of Kangs and their all their craziness. Uh, the second one shows Kang and Loki season two, which awesome. He's back. It's confirmed. He's in it. Jonathan Majors is in. I don't know about Kang. Wasp Hank characters. Let's go further into it. They're basically wasted. Not a whole lot's going on with the Wasp. Uh, Wasp has cool char- some character moments where she comes and saves Scott. That's about the only little character interactions we have between her and Scott. Um, Cassie's mother. There's a lot of people, a lot of characters out of this film. They don't really touch upon the surface at all. The Ant-Man trilogy, not wrapped up. There's no character moments. Nothing's really wrapped up. It doesn't feel like a trilogy. It's just kind of, it doesn't really feel like there's, yeah. So, anyway, I'm running out of time. So those are my basic 
thoughts on Ant-Man and the last Quantum Mania. I will, between me, Ro, and Ernie, we will do a bigger review episode where we kind of break it down and talk together. My ratings for this, if I'm being generous, it's a three minus. But honestly, it's probably a two plus. I don't know where I land on it. Kang, visual effects, really, really carry this movie to a three minus. But the writing's so bad. It's it's bad. It's bad in this, and it's just generic. It doesn't seem like anyone's trying. It seemed like a little two year or uh, not two year old, but like a ten year old kid just kind of took little dolls together and made a movie, and they just kind of rolled with that movie. Like that's what it feels. So, Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Medium. How how do you feel about it? Uh, tell me in the social medias. Tell me at Twitter. Tell me at Facebook. Let me know how you feel about it. To me, it's a, it's a two plus, three minus if I'm generous. All right, it's been a demi. This is Don't Evolve Me, Jake Sherbing, signing out. Thank you.